Hey everyone, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining me today, New Hope Radio. Got a good series going on. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And uh, a good one today because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding. Now that's good news because a wedding is a good time, right? It's a good time. Unless it's a shotgun wedding. But I don't think this was a shotgun wedding. I think this is a good wedding and he's going to say, that there was a king, and his son was getting married, and he threw a big party for his son. So what he's saying is that heaven is like a celebration, okay? Now, some of you have probably been to a wedding or two. Maybe you've been a guest at a wedding. Maybe you went to your own wedding. You know, weddings began because of God. He instituted the first wedding, and it was a garden wedding. I don't think any other species of creatures have weddings. What do you think? They have courtships. We know that. I'm not sure about weddings. So Jesus told this story to get people to understand another aspect of his father's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And he wants people to understand that God is inviting us, all people, into a joyous time. So we pick it up in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 2. And here's what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of heaven, it may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Now, Jesus is actually talking about a great celebration, okay? Because it's a celebration about a king and his son. It's a, it's a royal wedding. Now, according to Jewish custom, the first invitation to the wedding, it went out to a specific group of people, and it invited people to a particular day, but the time wasn't specified, just the day, okay? So once everything was prepared, then the second invitation went out, and it told the guests, okay, everything is ready, boom, drop what you're doing, come on to the wedding. So in verse 3, he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. What? And they were unwilling to come. Now, wait a minute. They said they would go to the wedding. Oh, it's on that day? Oh, yeah, we can make it. But when he gave them the time, they refused to go. So in verse 4, okay, again, he sent out other slaves. Tell those that have been invited, behold, I prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fattened livestock, they're all butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Hey, everybody, come on. I prepared everything for you. You said you were coming. Come on. Let's have a good time. But in verse 5, they paid no attention. And they went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business. Huh. You know what I see here? How easy it is to be distracted from our commitments. They made a commitment, but then they were distracted from it. Even today, people don't seem to value commitment. Commitment nowadays has been exchanged for convenience. And you know what? When that happens, everybody suffers. Commitment is character. Good character says, I will keep my commitment, no matter how difficult. 
Bad character says, ah, convenience is more important to me. I don't value commitments. Someone said, saying yes to your commitment means saying no to something else. And that's true, isn't it? Because there are always distractions. Oh, yeah. So now, okay, things get even worse. He sends out his messengers. They tell everybody, come on, everything's ready. They don't respond. He sends out more messengers. He says, come on, everything's ready. They don't respond. Now in verse 6, he sends out more messages. And you know what they did? They seized those slaves and they mistreated them and they killed them. Wow. They killed them. Oh, when the king found out, he was enraged and he sent his armies. He destroyed those murderers and he set their city on fire. This verse seems strange, doesn't it? as it's inserted into a wedding parable, <laughs> doesn't it? And people that refused to go to the wedding, it didn't end well for them. Now, when Matthew wrote his gospel, because we're in the gospel of Matthew, he wrote between 80 and 90 AD. In 70 AD, the Romans destroyed the temple and they burned the city. Complete disaster had come upon those who refused to recognize the Son of God when he came, the Lord Jesus. That's the bad news. So think of it. What was intended to be a great time, a celebration of love and feasting, and turned into a time of pain and regret? Remember, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. And this is what it's compared to. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding feast, a banquet for his son, and he invited all the guests and they said they would come, but then they didn't come. And then they killed my messengers on top of it. So the king said to his slaves, hey, the wedding is ready. But those who were invited, they're not worthy. And though the king was rejected by those who originally said yes, you know what? His grace is unlimited. Are you tracking with me? Are you seeing where this parable's going? That it has to do with God calling Israel to the feast? And he sent the prophets, and the prophets came with their messages, and what do they do? They killed the prophets. That's what they did, and they didn't respond. So the king said in verse 9, go therefore to the main highways, And as many as as you find there, invite them to the wedding feast. He extends the invitation to others who were never considered the first time. Oh, who could that be? How about the Gentiles? The universal appeal of the gospel to mankind now enters in. And in verse 10, those slaves who went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall shall be filled with dinner guests. See, that's where the gospel goes. The gospel doesn't go out to some or a certain group of people. It goes out to everybody. It goes out to good people. It goes out to bad people. It goes out to rich people. It goes out to poor people. It goes to healthy people, sick people, tall people, tall people, short people. It goes out to everybody. 
That's God's grace. That's God's intention. Everybody is, is, is invited to the kingdom of heaven. So we've got a happy ending. Almost. Verse 11. When the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there. Uh-oh. He was not dressed in wedding clothes. Hmm. That's pretty important in those days to dress up for the wedding. Now, it may have been the custom for a host to provide guests with wedding garments. And this would have been necessary for the guests for this particular banquet. You know why? Because these people were invited from the streets. They didn't have any time to prepare. So the host would prepare for them their wedding garments. So the failure of this man to avail himself of a wedding garment was an insult to the host who made him a wedding garment available. He said, I got something for you so you can look good at my son's wedding. And the guy refused to put it on. He got in, but because he got in without proper clothing, you know what happened? He's going to get ousted. See, back in the ancient East, you dressed up for a wedding. And they had garments made just for weddings. And like I said, many times the nobleman, the nobleman would provide the garments for the guests. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And why was he speechless? Because he was provided with a garment, but he didn't put it on. That was an insult to the king. And this man, he did not esteem what the king had done for him. So you know what happened? The king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot. Throw him into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Throw the bum out. <laughs> he was invited, but he insulted me. Throw him out. He didn't put on, here it comes, the robe of righteousness that was provided. See, when God invites us to heaven, he provides for us a robe of righteousness. And how do we get that? Through Christ, through faith in Christ. And those that reject that righteousness, they can't get in. You can't get into God's wedding without the robe of righteousness. You're cast out with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is why in verse 14, many are called, but few are chosen. Now, I want to explain to you what that means, because you've probably been taught wrong. Many are called, but few are chosen. What does it mean, many are called? Who were the called? The invited. Those that were invited to the kingdom of heaven. Who were the chosen? Those that responded. The responders are the chosen. Say, well, how do you figure that? Because once we're in Christ, we become chosen. Scripture, Ephesians 1.4. Just as God chose us in him, a reference to Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. What does that mean? It doesn't say God chose us to be in him. God chose us. Because we're already in 
him, that God knew before the foundation of the world who would be in Christ, and they become the chosen. So we are chosen because Christ is chosen. Christ is the only one chosen, and when we're in him, we become chosen. That's why many are called, many are invited, but only a few respond. A lot of people say no. Most people say no to the gospel call, and they go off and do their own thing. They don't want a wedding garment. They don't want a rope of righteousness. But those that do, the responders, they become the chosen. So what does this parable say to us? Let me give you a few things. Number one, Christianity is not gloomy. Okay? Because that's why Jesus told this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding, and God's invitation is joyous. You're invited to share his joy. When you're invited to a natural wedding on the earth, it's because somebody wants you to share in the joy of that family. So you go, and you get all dressed up, and you respond. You mail back the invitation, and you pick chicken or fish, right? So because you responded, you're allowed to go into the wedding. But those that don't respond, well, if you show up and don't respond, there's no table for you because you didn't tell them you were coming. And if you respond and say no and change your mind, it's too late. There's still no table. That's why John could say, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. See, the things that God gives us to do, the intention is to fill us with his joy. And even if they're challenging, the end result is always good. Good leads to joy. Second thing we can say, the things which make men refuse God's invitation, they're not necessarily bad in themselves. Those that refused to go to the king's wedding, they went to their farms and they went to their businesses. Now, we need farms and we need businesses. These people were not living in morality. So we have to ask ourselves then, what do I do? That may be good, but it gets in the way of doing the best. What good things we do that hinder us from getting to God, from coming to God. That's what we have to ask ourselves. These people went to work. They were busy doing good things. But it was still a bad excuse not to go to the wedding. And it was their loss. And if we refuse God's invitation of heaven, because we're too occupied with what's going on down here on the earth, it's going to be to our loss as well. So we see that it's very easy for a person to become distracted with good things in opposition to the best thing. Okay? Preoccupation with the things of the world make us forgetful of the things of God. That's the key. Oh, we can forget. We can forget the divine things because we're preoccupied with the temporal, the natural things. So think about that. Preoccupation with the things of the world make us forgetful 
of the things of God. You can be so busy making a living that you fail to make a life. The third thing we can see, Christ appeals to us to show us what we could have, not to consider how we will be punished if we don't respond. It's not a, it's not a threat. It's not, if you don't come, this will happen. No, it's, I want you to come because you'll have joy. This will happen. This is why I want you to come. It's a joyous invitation. For those who didn't go to the wedding feast, the real tragedy was on what they missed. They missed the celebration. They missed being in the presence of the king. They missed the royal wedding. They missed the time of their life. They missed it. How sad. And how true for the same, those that miss heaven. You miss heaven. You miss a royal wedding. The wedding of the Son of God when he's married to his bride, the church. You miss all that God has for you. And it's a tragedy. We also see, number four, that God's invitation is an invitation of grace. Whatever God does for us is grace, because it's all undeserving. God gives us all opportunity to make our lives count for the kingdom. That's what grace does. When you see the word grace, I want you to think of the word opportunity. Opportunity means, wow, here's a chance to do something good, to do something with my life that's going to have eternal value, eternal ramifications. So I ask myself, what does my life before God look like? What does my service to God look like? It's grace that has extended an invitation to me. So have I responded to that grace? You know what the Apostle Paul said? Speaking about all the other apostles, he said, I labored more than all of them. But it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was with me. And what Paul is saying is that he understood God's grace so much that it motivated him. It mobilized him. God's grace didn't make him lazy. He didn't go to the beach and drink pina coladas all day. He served the kingdom. That's what grace does. When we understand grace, we take advantage of the opportunity to make our lives count. Remember years ago, the Dream Team, when they finally allowed professional athletes to go to the Olympics, and we sent our basketball players, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, right? The best of the best. And Michael Jordan made a comment. And he said, when they were practicing, these guys were so good. I mean, they, they could beat anybody with one hand behind their back. And you know what they were doing? All the other players, they were goofing around because they knew they were so good. They were just goofing around at practice. But you know what Michael Jordan said? He said, I practiced as hard as if I was back home playing in the NBA. That, I, that to me, the game is very, very serious. And I didn't goof around like those guys did. 
but I still applied myself the best I could. See, that's a champion. A champion doesn't goof around because they've got it made or they know they're better or it's in the bag. No, they apply themselves every time. That's what happens when we understand the grace of God. I continue to apply myself. I let God's grace motivate me, mobilize me, inspire me. It's not a license for laziness. It's an opportunity to do something great with my life. That's the grace of God. And that's what Paul understood. And Jesus is saying in this parable, it's grace that the king invited those people. All they needed to do was come and enjoy his generosity. Well, look who was finally invited to the wedding feast. Verse 10. The slaves went out into the streets and they gathered together. Everybody they found, evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. That's why the king said, hey, I prepared my dinner. This is why he wanted to fill the hall. My oxen, my fat and livestock, they're all butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the feast. Now think about it. God invites us to heaven, right? Why? The sacrifice has been made. The lamb. The lamb of God has been sacrificed. Everything has been made ready. The wedding garments are prepared. Robes of righteousness are the, the fine acts of the saints. The righteous acts of the saints are robes of righteousness. You know, they're waiting for us in heaven. And when we ascend into heaven, when we're raptured into heaven and the dead in Christ rise up, we go right to the dressing room and we get our robes of righteousness. And then the father presents us to the son. And he says, son, here's your bride. And he says, thank you, father. She's beautiful. So let me ask you, when you understand that and what God has done, can you be satisfied with earthly things? When you understand all that God went through, will you refuse the invitation? So many people do because they don't understand. They don't get it. I don't know. They refuse what God has done. They refuse what God offers. And they refuse what they could have. And they'd rather have the things of the world, which are temporal and passing, than the things of God, which are eternal and unmatched by anything else that anyone else could ever find. Oh, the goodness of God. It's un, it's limitless. It's unmatchable. That's why the devil, I'll tell you what, he's very good at what he does. He blinds the minds of those that don't believe. If you don't believe, it's because Satan has blinded your mind. That's why. And what's he used to do it? Your pride. Oh, yeah, that's his tool. Your pride will keep you dumb. It'll keep you in the dark. It'll keep you lost. And you don't want to be what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You are lost and you will die in your sins. You don't want that, man, because that's curtains for you. It's over. 
So God says, listen, the sacrifice has been made. The robes of righteousness have been prepared. Come. Just come. It's already. I'm inviting you to come. That's called the gospel. The glorious gospel of grace. God's invitation to the world. Because God so loved the world that he did give his only begotten son. That anybody and everybody who believes in him would never perish. But they can have everlasting life. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God that we believe in, that we worship. This is the God that offers eternal life to all people. And we have a responsibility to do what? Let people know. Maybe we're those messengers, we're those slaves that go out and say, hey, listen, here's what God's got for you. He wants you to come. He's got a place setting for you at the marriage of his son. Will you come? He invites you to come. No cost to you. He's already paid it all. Think about that. That's what we need to do. We need to be mindful. We need to be cognitive thoughtful of God's grace because he's done it all. I'll tell you what, I, I like this message. It's worth hearing again, I think. I go back to the Hope Club podcast and this is a good evangelistic message to let people that don't know God, they don't know God yet. But maybe this will shed some light on the fact that, you know what, they're missing out on something, something God has for them. Maybe give them a fresh perspective toward God, toward the offer of salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. These are the things that people need to hear. So use the Hope Club podcast, get them over there, say, just listen to that message, and then you make a decision. Do you want to go to the wedding or do you want to avoid the wedding and just stay down here on planet Earth? That's all. All we can do is provide the information, but everybody has to make their own choice. We know that, right? They all have to make their own choice, and hopefully they'll make a good choice, the right choice, the best choice. Thanks for coming along. We'll see you next time.